Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. share a little bit of Nathan's story. Nathan Rice is who uh, did our song for the offering, and God is doing an awesome work in his life. Um, Nathan went through a time of making some wrong decisions and getting away from the things of God and what God wanted for his life, but he realized how much more he needed the strength of God in his life and allowing the Holy Spirit to work. And and Nathan's had an amazing uh, time and, and stronger fellowship with God in these last few months. And, and it's, it's been awesome to see what God is doing in Nathan. And can I tell you, it had nothing to do with the law. It was truly the work of the Holy Spirit. And not just right choices according to some rules and regulations, but allowing God uh, through the Holy Spirit by the saving grace of his son Jesus who died on the cross to work in Nathan's life. And that's where Paul is. Uh, so frustrated that the Galatians aren't seeing pictures of, of Nathan's and all of us. We all have a story uh, of God saving us from ourselves and from our sin and allowing us in faith to enter into a relationship with him. And he's like, guys, are you serious? I just went over the authentic gospel here is Christ crucified. Here is what, what the cross has done for us. And you're still not getting this. You're still not realizing what God has entered into our life with now. Not for when we pass from this earth, you know, our ticket to heaven to get to, to, to him. But right now, right here, the Holy Spirit is at work in your lives. And it is enough. The cross is enough. And they're not getting it. Here's the, the Judaizers that are saying, look, this is not fair that all of a sudden these Gentiles get to come into uh, this gracious relationship with God the Father just by faith. Seriously, we've had to deal with the law this whole time and these regulations and the proper way uh, to do things. And now all of a sudden someone can just enter into a, a right relationship with God by faith. And so it was really confusing, the, the Galatians. And they, they were trying to understand what Paul was saying about the cross and Christ crucified, the authentic gospel, but they still had this culture of the law, the law, the law. You've got to obey the law or you are not right with God. And so Paul starts off, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has completely taken over your mind? that cause you to think of these things. And Paul is, is trying again to explain that we are justified by faith and not by works. And last week I stopped on the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is mentioned multiple times in these five verses, realizing that God is at work in our lives now, that he is doing a work now and continuing to do a work until the day that we pass, until the day of redemption, and then... We get to enter into even a greater, amazing time of eternity with God. 
and knowing that this is going on now, that, that we don't need the law anymore. And so he puts these questions out, starting in verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And it's one thing to know the truth and say that we believe it. The Galatians have seen the truth. They, they heard, um, maybe even possibly firsthand, the crucifixion of, of Christ. But it's quite another thing to obey it, to submit to it, and to abide in it. And that's what having faith in God truly is, is giving our whole selves over to him. So the first question, do we become a Christian by works of the law or by faith? Think back, and, and Paul is asking even the Galatians then, think back of when you accepted Christ. When you truly understood and made him Lord of your life, what was that like? And I ask you that today. What, thinking back to when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and let me ask you a couple of test questions. Was it obeying the, the Ten Commandments? In order, by the way. If you got them out of order, you've got to start over. Okay? No, that's not how you accepted Christ. Was it receiving your certificate for perfect attendance in Sunday school? Or making all five days for vacation Bible school? No, actually getting your craft that you made every day at vacation Bible school to your house. Okay? If you do that, then you're saved, you're fine, you're good. No, of course not. It was the work of God the Father and through the work and power of the Holy Spirit. But if we take a look at if it was by the law, there's a lot of things that, that just cannot add up. And think about this. Let's say they understand that they received the Spirit, but now they still have to apply the law to their life. Is that not restricting the power and activity of the Spirit, limiting the Holy Spirit to the parameters of the law? And that's not what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not limited. So you cannot place God in this box uh, and, and try to apply this to the law. There's no way that that's going to happen. Like I said, we shared amazing things of what the Holy Spirit is doing and who he is in our lives. It also breaks down in the fact that according to the law, if you break any of the laws, if you commit any sin, one at all, your whole life, you have been separated from God. And there is none of us that have, will ever be able to accomplish that. I don't think I've made it through the morning without breaking that. And so now the law breaks down again because there is no saving grace. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And we are all as unclean things, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags, out of Isaiah. Our righteousness, if we, were to, if we were to pick the perfect person who studied the law, followed the law, did everything right, their righteousness is as worthless as filthy rags. And sometimes at home, if they're really bad, I just toss those in the trash can. Don't tell my wife. Um, 
but it's, it's worthless. It's worth nothing. And so trying to rely on the law, there's no way that salvation or grace or hope or love is coming through the law. It completely breaks down the work of Christ, and it's basically saying, I no longer believe that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to forgive me of all of my sins and keep me through all of my sin. The, that's incomprehensible. We cannot go there. It's not, it's not there. It discounts all that Christ has done, and Christ would have died in vain. So it is ridiculous, and Paul knows this. It's basically, he's pulling a captain obvious. You know, it is so obvious that this is what the truth is. Please understand. And as the Spirit obviously is not, does not come to us by the law, but through faith and understanding that salvation is not based on performance, not based on anything that we've done, it is truly only by the saving power of Jesus Christ. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That is the power and how we receive the Holy Spirit. And I realize that as we are saved and as we hold on to that faith, then good works comes. There's fruit from the Holy Spirit that allows us to do the right thing, that allows us to do uh, what God wants us to do, and, and even looking at some of the laws, say, you know, I can do that. If I've got God as my strength, I know that I can follow these. But that is not what saved us. That is not how we receive the Holy Spirit. When we are saved, we do good works because we are saved. It is not any works that allows us to be saved. And then Paul continues saying, are you foolish yet again? So here's verse um, verse 3 saying, are you so foolish? And so a second time saying, okay, I'm going to guess that you understand that we receive the Spirit by faith. But now what you've done, looking at, at this verse, is saying that, have you begun by the Spirit and now beginning perfect? are now being perfected in the law, or being perfected by the flesh. So we've established that we receive the Holy Spirit by faith when we accept Jesus as our Savior. And then the natural assumption is if, if God is at work in our lives, he's going to continue until the end. We are going to be completed in our salvation until the end, not having to add in the law or add in works of the flesh. And as we see the picture of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. It is obvious that we have, been got, we have begun by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has entered into our lives when we accept Christ, and now that should be the assumption that that he's going to complete the work in us. And are we being perfected by the flesh? And, and Paul again is like, I can't even believe I'm having to ask this, but let me put this out there. Are we being perfected by the flesh? In other words, we have been, we've received the Holy Spirit, but now it's not enough. We've got to add uh, works of 
our, our works and our deeds and trying to follow what the law wants us to. And it means that that is adding grace of God to our actions. That means that we've got to do some things to add to the grace of God. That is ridiculous. There is nothing greater, there is nothing more, there is nothing incomplete about the grace of God in our lives. There is nothing incomplete about the hope and the love and the mercy shown to us. There is nothing that we need to add. And it is not like a, a video game or something where you have to build up to a certain level to get these extra perks. I know Candy Crush was a big thing. I had to dump that game quickly. <laughs> but you wanted to get to the next level because it added maybe an extra life or an extra perk to help you defeat these different levels. But that is not what grace is about. We don't as Christians have to say, all right, here's step one, I accepted Christ. Now I've got to maybe, you know, do this or that to get up to level two. And then I'm going to get a little bit more grace, a little bit more love. You know, hey, Randy made it to level 25 yesterday, guys. You know, he's going to be preaching. Let's add a, a, couple of extra, um, a couple of extra doses of grace and love on him. And, and no, th it, that would be by works. And that is not what God is about. We have full access and all access to God 100% from the very beginning. Uh, we do not build up levels and do not build up well, they've been a Christian for 60 years. Uh, they've read through the Bible every year, sometimes twice a year. They should get a little bit more grace and love than, than someone who, who hasn't even shown up for six months. Make it to Easter and Christmas and that's it. No, that is not what salvation is about. And it was like the Galatians were trying to change the rules in the middle of the game. They were adding the law back in as a necessary part of salvation, which reminds me of Randy games. If you've hung out with me at all, you know what Randy games are, okay? I don't know if it's my ADD or my, I just get bored quickly, but when we play kickball in the gym on Wednesday nights, it gets boring after like half an inning. So I come up and I change the rules. Now, if you talk to any of my past students or former or present students, they're like, Oh no, Randy Gaines are coming. But I like to change it up. So we might, instead of first base, you might could choose third base to go to and then just cross, you know, make sure you commit to all four bases, but you can go any direction you want. Um, we'll do ultimate frisbee. I'll throw in a hula hoop or any random object that can fly through the air is semi-safe um, <laughs> to play ultimate frisbee. And so they hate when I come in and change the rules. And, and if you know me, I will change them multiple times if we play a game for any length of time. But here are the Galatians saying, all right, I understand. I received this, the Holy Spirit by my faith, but I still think I've got to go and continue uh, to do these works and continue to do things on my own, by my own flesh. And it is trading God's grace for man's efforts ridiculous to think but I think we still do it but let's say that we take the law and not the works of the Holy Spirit that would destroy all that Christ has promised us we would trade a relationship for religion we would trade freedom for bondage we would trade joy 
for misery, peace for fear, assurance for uncertainty, and grace for legalism. That's ridiculous to look at that and say, I don't want any of those things. I want what God has for us. Then why do we even now today need to be reminded that we cannot add to the grace that we receive from Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit from God the Father on our lives? That it is not things that we do. And imagine this formula. If we were to mix law and grace in justification, it would nullify grace completely. And I don't want that. That is not the plan that God has for us. And that is not the direction that we need to go in our lives. To, to, we need to grab a hold to the complete and full grace that comes to us from God. So we can try by human effort and trust in the power of the Spirit, but we can't have both. And in verse 4, Paul's like, are you saying that all that you've suffered through, you have done in vain? And the Greek word for suffer doesn't only limit itself to negative things in life, but it can be something that you experience. So Paul is saying, is everything that has happened to you, good or bad, up until this point, been in vain? In other words, the persecution that you felt, the pressure that you felt being a Christian, has that been in vain? But the experience, are you saying that all that God has done in your life, all the miracles that you have seen, all the work that you know has happened because of him and not because of you, are you telling me that that is in vain? There's no way. There is no way. God has so much and has done so much. We could spend hours, days, weeks going through and sharing what God has done in our own lives, each and every one of us. But it is not in vain. And Christ did not die on the cross in vain. And are we to discount all the works and miracles that God has done by saying that, well, it, you know, it, it wasn't worth it. I can do a lot of this stuff on my own and rely on my works and rely on the law. And then verse 5, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? And here is a similar question to verse 2, where Paul is saying, okay, you realize that God gave you the Spirit by faith. Okay, he's, he's giving you the Spirit, but now are you saying that the work that God is doing is still based on what you are trying to do and the actions that you are trying to, to give? And it's saying that God is, is continually working, supplies the Spirit. Not supply, supplies a continual movement of God in our lives. Continual action, saying that, is that still by things that you do or by what God is doing? And I looked up the message translation for this verse. And here's what the message, how it's, it states these verses. Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you could never do for yourselves, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving or be because you trust him to do them for you? God wants to give us 
him completely, to have all access to him, to have this relationship with Jesus Christ, to allow the Holy Spirit to work and move in our lives so that we need nothing else. There is nothing else that we need. And it doesn't matter if we reach a higher level of discipleship. And it doesn't mean that we can attain greatness by following uh, these rules and that rules and being a great uh, churchgoer. It is truly by what God is doing in our lives. And out of that comes greatness. The only greatness that God can provide. Out of that comes a commitment and love for his church. A commitment and love for the work and mission that he has given us. A commitment to who he is and allowing us to share with others around uh, this amazing love. And there are some thoughts that come from these passages. And one is that since we are justified by faith and not by the law, doesn't mean that we can, we can just do what we want. If we're saying that, well, I don't need to follow any rules, I don't need the law, I don't need, you know, if I break a, a commandment, if I sin, God's grace has me covered. And so I'll just do what I want until, until it's time to spend eternity. And Romans 6.1 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? No. It is out of our love for God out of love and respect for God, out of, out of love for what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life, for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, out of that comes fruit and comes good things and the things that we need to do. It wouldn't be, you're not going to have a relationship with a friend that loves you so much they don't care what you do. You're not going to abuse that relationship. You're not going to take advantage of that person because you know what they're going to forgive me anyway so i'm just going to be a complete jerk to them that's not how you treat others here is almighty god that loves us passionately and deeply and how much more out of that love do we continue to serve him and do what he wants us to do and then what about guilt how do we get past our guilt sometimes you know, it, it looked ridiculous as we're going through this passage. How the Galatians not get it? It is right there. It's easy to understand, um, but we sometimes hold on to guilt in our life. We realize that there's some sin in our life that we don't feel forgiven from, that we have laid at the altar of Christ and said, God, please take this from me. And then we take two, two steps away and we grab that thing right back. And a lot of times we have given so much to, to following the right commands and knowing that, you know what, I've blown it so bad. I, I shouldn't even walk into the building anymore of church. I shouldn't even pull into the parking lot because God's not going to forgive me. I feel too guilty about this. So-and-so who I offended might be at church, so I'm just not even going to come back to church. And how many times did we hold on to that guilt not realizing that the full grace of God covers all of that? That God's love, that the shed blood of Jesus Christ covers every sin. But like the Galatians, we hold on and we try to add a little bit more of this, you know, well, I've got to, you know, continue to follow and not, and not sin and not break any rules. And we hold on to that guilt. But 
people, God's love is so much greater than any of that. And we've got to continue on because God has a greater work for us. That when we get distracted and when we get, we avoid him with all that we do, that we miss out on some great opportunities and the freedom and hope that God has for us that is all completely from him. And then, like I started off with Nathan's testimony, God is at work in our lives. God is at work in everyone. And to discount that work and to write people off because, well, you know, they haven't made it in the last two Sundays out of three, um, or understanding that, that it's a journey. It's an amazing journey. And if we sit there and cut things off and say, well, you know, I guess they're not a Christian anymore, or I guess they never fully understood, we're not believing or trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit as well. We need to realize that, that there's amazing things that God is doing in people's lives that we would never have a clue about. And it's up to us to be diligent and faithful, to be a, a witness, to be an encourager, to realize the grace that we have received, to turn that, in, turn that around and give that grace and love to others. Because there is so much and so many th- so much in our life that we can continue to learn and grow in God because he wants to continue to work in us. He wants to continue to have his Holy Spirit have his way with us so that we can love God more, we can worship greater, we can sing stronger, we can witness bolder, we can just be this amazing uh, venue or vessel that God uses because of how much we love him. And sometimes it's not easy to do that and be that. But God has a great plan for us. It has nothing to do with works or with the law. And to try to continue to add that on shadows and, and makes things very confusing sometimes in our hearts. But it is God's grace that saves us. We are saved by grace through faith. No more, no less, and it's enough. And by God's grace, he allows us to grow in him. He allows us to know him better, to be more like him, to take the things of God and use them and have our strength and that undergirding in our life that can only come from him. Knowing that if we look back, there is no way that our life would be where it is now on our own doing. It truly is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And that's amazing. And sometimes we get up to our eyeballs with life. We get so, our view is so blocked and distorted by things that, that are in our way that sometimes we forget. But God truly is at work in our life. He loves us. He loves us so much. More than we will ever understand or know. And don't ever turn away from that. Run towards this love that God has for us. Run towards the fact that the Holy Spirit has great things for our life and wants to do so much. Run to the fact and to the open arms of God that wants to hold us and work in us and have his way in us until this day that we get to see him face to face. 
and know that it is not anything that we do, but truly by the love and gracious gift of God. And I pray that if there is someone here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, does not know the power of God in their life, is not sure of what's going to happen when they pass from this earth, please come and talk to us and understand that God gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that all of our sins are wiped away and gone, and that as we choose him as our Lord and Savior, that we, through him, have conquered sin and death, and that he has an amazing relationship for us, ready for now, and then in eternity in heaven. And I, as we close up this morning, I pray that we continue to just be who we are in Christ Jesus, that we continue to glorify him in all that we do, continue to understand this amazing faith that God has allowed us to be a part of, and that we seek after him in all that we do. And I pray again for a moving of the Holy Spirit like no other time in all of our lives in the life of this church. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your reminder of how much you truly love us. That you have not just allowed us to say, okay, I believe in your son and I accept him as my Lord and Savior and I'll see you in heaven. It is that you want to be a part of our life right now. Through the rest of this day, through the rest of this week, through the rest of this year, through the rest of our time on earth. Father, you have great and amazing plans for us. And I pray that we continue to strive for you and seek after you in all that we do. Father, I pray that we help others understand that it is by faith and not by works that we are justified and that we can come to you. Father, I thank you for this time. I pray again for your spirit to continue to move in this place and in our hearts and that we open the doors wide for you to continue to do great things in our life. 